Uh, one of my favorite humorists is a guy named Dave Barry. And you might be familiar with Dave Barry. He's a guy that used to write for the Miami Herald. He'd always write like a little article. And uh, he came out with this article a number of years ago that was entitled, Things That It Took Me Over 50 Years to Learn. So uh, on his uh, 50, 50th birthday, he wanted to share some little nuggets of truth and wisdom that he had learned through life. So you might want to get a pen out and write down some of these things, because this will really be helpful to you. Lesson number one, never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. So that's a really good one right there. Uh, number two, there is a very fine line between hobby and mental illness. Uh, number three, never lick a steak knife. Uh, number four, and I like this one, this is good, this is good wisdom here. You should never say anything to a woman that even remotely suggests that she might be pregnant unless you actually see the baby coming out of her body. So I thought that was good. Uh, number five, never be afraid to try something new. Uh, remember that a lone amateur built the ark and a group of professionals built the Titanic. So pretty good. Uh, number six, Men are like fine wine. Right, guys? Absolutely. We're like fine wine. They start out as grapes, and it's up to the women to stomp the snot out of them <laughs> until they turn into something acceptable to have dinner with. All right, now those are, those are life lessons. So it's always good when you go through life and you learn some lessons. Well, today what we're doing is we're going to look at the shepherds in our text today, and we're going to see they teach us some lessons. They teach us some lessons about life, but in particular, they teach us lessons about, about Christmas and about Christmas interruptions. Now, we, we've all experienced quite a number of Christmases, and, and Christmas is a, it's a wonderful time of year. It's joyful, all that stuff, but, but here's what you learn, is that a lot of times there are interruptions that come into Christmas, a lot of stresses that come into Christmas, and sometimes, it just is not fun sometimes. Uh, it's not enjoyable. And, and, and what can happen is because of all the interruptions that take place, is that we miss out on seeing the simplicity and the beauty of what Christmas really is. You know, whenever you first get married, you know, it's, it's exciting, it's fun, you get married. And I tell you, it's always interesting to me. When I talk to people who are getting ready to get married, I tell them, it's like, you're getting ready to get married, one thing you need to think about you need to think about Christmas. You know, how you're going to spend it. That's, I never even thought about that stuff until I got married. And, uh, and you know, you get married, and, and obviously each one of them is thinking, yeah, well, we're spending Christmas with my folks. I got news for you. It ain't happening. It's not what you think it's going to be. Now, now we have some people here that are, that are recently married. So, Kurt and Lydia, y'all know that, that Kelsey's going to be here every Christmas for y'all. So that's the great thing. But, you know, when, when it comes to Christmas, it can be very stressful. You're trying to figure out, how can I be at two places one time? And then you have kids. And then the grandparents are, you know, not always happy people. And they're like, you're going to have the grandkids here for Christmas. And so it's just, so here we are, we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. And we're ready to kill each other. You know, so that's it. Christmas interruptions pop in, but what we see is we see some lessons today that the shepherds teach us about Christmas, and I think we'd be wise to emulate them. 
And that's why we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. And what's going on in our text is that the angels, an angel, had showed up to some shepherds who were keeping their sheep in the field. And, and he made an announcement that the birth of the Messiah had happened in this town called Bethlehem. Now, there's a couple of things that are interesting to me. That the shepherds were the first ones to receive the good news of the coming of the Messiah. And there's a couple of things ironic to me about that. One is that the first people to receive the greatest birth announcement that has ever been given was given to a group of men. And I just think that's ironic that a group of guys would get that message. But the second thing is that the group of people who received this message were shepherds. Now, shepherds were not a part of the social elite. I mean, they were a little bit further down on the totem pole. You know, people did not enjoy hanging out with shepherds because they were always with animals. They were considered unclean. But I believe that what God is doing by bringing the news of the, the coming Messiah is he was showing by, by giving this message to the shepherds that the good news about Jesus is news that is for everyone. It's not just for the elites. It's not just for, you know, uh, just for the people that we think who are well-educated and, and who are really smart. It is a message for every person. And we see from these wise, uh, these wise shepherds some lessons that they teach us. So what do they teach us on the first Christmas? very first lesson they teach us is this. When it comes to the season, you need to listen. Just simply take time to listen. Now look with me in verse number 8. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, it, it's very easy in life to get so caught up in all of the trappings in life and in all the noise of life that we miss out on some really important things around us. But the shepherds didn't. Now, what were the shepherds doing? Well, if you look into our text, the very first verse, verse number 8, we're told that the shepherds, they were keeping watch over their sheep. And, and that word keeping, it means they were guarding, or watching, it means they were guarding their sheep. Uh, being a shepherd, it was a 24-hour-a-day job. You always had to pay attention to the sheep and guide and lead them. And the reason why is sheep are, you know, they are cute little cuddly looking animals, but ultimately they really are, they, they are, they are in need of a shepherd. They're helpless. Uh, they don't have very good eyesight. And so if they have their nose to the ground and they're eating grass, if they don't have a shepherd, after a while if they just follow the grass, they, look, they, they don't know where they are. You know, they can't see well, they get lost easy. Um, they have to be sheared. They need a shepherd to shear their, their wool off. 
And because if it, it, just, it just grows and grows. And if they get near water, it's just really interesting. If they get near water and it's splashing, that water can get into their wool and it will weigh them down and it will cause them to tip over. And they just tip over and they fall in the water if they're done for. You know, they drown. So, you know, so sheep need a shepherd. Not only that, they don't have any natural defense mechanisms. If a predator comes to them and they're out by themselves, I mean, the, the sheep might as well just say, lay down and say, just go ahead and eat me. Because they can't do it. Have you all ever heard of a sheep attack before? Yeah, they don't happen. Why? Because, because sheep, sheep are not violent animals, right? They, so they need help all the time. And that is the job of a shepherd. So, so what were the shepherds doing? They were keeping watch over the sheep. They were in a field. It's still there today. It's the shepherd's field. It's right next to Bethlehem. We've been there. And that's where they were keeping the sheep. And they were keeping watch over their sheep, taking care of them, watching out for them. And it's the same thing. They, they would do this day after day after day. And I'm sure after a while, just sort of, you know, it was just sort of, they, they just got very routine. I'm sure most of the days just sort of passed by and, and they just sort of all run together. You know, sort of like whenever, whenever you get up in the morning and you go to work or you go to school. Have you ever driven before and you arrive where you need to go and then you're just sort of thinking, I don't even remember how I got here. It's like the drive, just, it's not that you fell asleep. It's just that, that you're just so used to doing it that everything is a blur. And that's what's going on with the shepherds. But they did not allow everything to continue to be a blur because something happened. And what happened is we're told an angel appeared before them and told them that today a Savior has been born. Now you might say, well, if I had an angel talking to me, life would not be a blur either. I think I would pay attention to that. I think I would notice that. But God hasn't spoken to me lately by having an angel appear in the sky. Does God even speak today? Does God still use a voice to talk to people? And, and here's what I, I am learning and I'm believing more and more, is that God speaks to us in many ways and so much more than we ever realize. How does God speak to us today? The most, the, the, the most uh, prolific way that he speaks to us is through Scripture, through the Bible. We're told in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is inspired, it means God-breathed, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In America today, 88% of Americans own Bibles. The average household has 4.4 Bibles in the house. How does God speak to people? Through his word. Now, if the average American has 4.4 Bibles in his house, God's speaking a lot. And yet, only one in five Americans regularly reads Scripture. And then I hear people tell me all the time, God never says anything to me. And I'm thinking, you ain't listening. I'm not paying attention to what God has to say. You might say, well, if God would speak to me with an angel, I'd listen. Then I don't even buy that. You know, whenever I came across this, when I was reading this scripture, I thought of another scripture. And I remember it was right after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he is with his, I mean, he's with his followers. He's speaking to them. And in Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17, listen to what it says. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And what's the last part say? But some 
doubted. That scripture is always blow. That is, you know, that wrap duct tape around my head because my mind is blown. How does that happen? You, they've seen Jesus raised from the dead. Do you think that's going to get your attention? I would think so, but some doubted. Why? I'm not listening. You know, they have it all right before them, but there's all these things around them that keep them from hearing and seeing the message of God. You know, and just an example to me about listening, you know, smartphones are just a part of everyday life, you know, for, for really for everybody. Now, it seems like they've been around forever. Now, they have it. It's, did y'all know we actually were able to function as human beings without our phone? You know, you can actually function without having to check your email at, at 11 o'clock at night because something so urgent is coming in. But people always have it. Everywhere you go, you see people, you know, they're talking on their phone, they're listening to music, they're texting. Even in church, I'll sit here in church, I'll, and I, up, I can see everything from up here. So hopefully that will scare you a little bit. So I'm, I can look around, I see you all on your phone. Now I know when you're on your phone, you know, you're reading scripture, you know, on your phone, you know, that's what I'm telling myself. And so, you know, that's what, that's what you're doing. But it's interesting that there, now there's some good things about it, but there are times when you'll go out to eat. Have you ever seen this? And you'll see, you'll see a young couple together, and you think that surely at least at this age they like each other. And, and, but they're sitting across from each other, and they have their phones out, and they're, they're not even looking at each other, just looking at their phones. And then I'm, I'm sitting there going, the, the phone has, I, I'm telling you, it has eroded our ability to listen, to pay attention to others. And then that's, that's what happens, I believe, to us every Christmas. You know, we allow the noise of, of life all around us, the volume to get up high, and God speaks to us. He speaks to us in His Word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through other people. But we have all this stuff in life going on, and we're like, I don't even hear God. We're not even listening to Him because we have so much other stuff that we're paying attention to. And you might say, well, how can I listen better? You've got to turn the noise down in the other areas of life. And I, I'd encourage you, you know, you know, it's really easy to get in the habit. You, you get up in the morning and you just sort of get caught up. You, you turn on and you, you watch the news. You might flip on the news so that you can get nice and angry before you go to work. And, uh, and then you, before you know it, you don't even look at Scripture. You know, I'm not saying you don't watch the news. Just don't watch as much of it. And use some of that time say, hey, what does God have to say today? What, what does Scripture have to say? You might, might even go to the bookstore or, or whatever, Amazon, and get a book about Max Lucado, Philip Yancey. They have books on, on Christ that are wonderful reads. And you can just sort of meditate and think about the, th the things of, of God who entered into our world in flesh. Pay attention. Pay attention to, to the Lord when he speaks. So I always encourage people, let's come together when we come together and worship. It's a way that we mark, you know, you need to mark off, I, I really think this, for most people, now not y'all in here, but other people, you got to mark off Sundays in your calendars to have an appointment with God for an hour. It's like you do with everything else at work. So I'm going to take time to listen. Now look at the shepherds, they took time to listen. It's a lesson they teach us. But another lesson that they teach us on this very first Christmas is once you take time to listen, that there's another lesson to learn that goes along with that. You listen, and then after you listen, and lesson to learn is then you need to respond. You need to respond to what you hear, and that's what, that's what the shepherds did. If you look in verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Now, now listening is a great thing. If, if you have the art of listening, that you're unusual. But listening does not do any good unless you actually act on what you hear. You know, if you come in and say, hey, your house is on fire, and I hear you, but I don't do anything, what happens? Your house burns to the ground. Okay, so, so a good thing about listening is responding. The shepherds, they listened to the angel. How did they respond? Verse 15, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened. They responded. They didn't take any detours. They didn't say, hey, after we eat dinner, you know, maybe we're going to have lunch with the family. They're, you know, they're coming over for a holiday. That's not what they did. So let's get up now. And let's go straight to Bethlehem to see what they have told us. What have they been told? Verse 11. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. Y'all, that was monumental news. That's hard for us to really kind of grasp how big of, new, big of a deal this was. And the reason why is because Israel at this time, they were an occupied country. The Romans were in charge of them. They've been occupied for hundreds of years. It was the Romans, it was the Babylonians, it was the Persians, it's the Midianites. I mean, you just go all through Scripture, they're always under, under somebody else's rule. And then an angel shows up and says, Today, the Messiah has been born. Who's, who's the Messiah? He's the deliverer. Their, their expectation was that the Messiah was going to come and bring freedom to the people. This had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years before it ever happened. The book of Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Listen to what it says. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, prince of peace and the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end the messiah will reign on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will accomplish this okay 700 years before and then an angel shows up and says this guy he's born today it's big this is big news it's big news he's coming to bring freedom He's coming to redeem your life. So what do they do? They said, right now, let's go see the Messiah. You know, when you get good news, you're going to respond to it. You know, if you win the lottery, hey, you need to go claim your prize. How many of y'all are going to wait? Man, I'm going to put the, I got to go to work first. You're, not going, you're going to get up, you're going to go immediately. It's, that is good news for you. I remember whenever our, our first child was born, my, my, we, uh, we lived in eastern North Carolina. My parents were about four and a half hours away. We called them at like 2 or 2.30 in the morning, and we said, hey, you're, you have a grandson that's just been born. We told it's a four, four and a half hour drive. Y'all, four hours later, they were in the hospital room with us. It's like, what in the world? I was like, whoa. It's like mom and dad just like, they were, you know, they were wearing, they got hopped in the car in their pajamas and just booked it to eastern North Carolina. And they got there. Now, Why? It was good news. And when they got the good news, they acted on it. They responded to it. Now, the good news is the Messiah has been born. But the message, the way that it was sent, that's a little different. Angel. But the, also, the content was strange. 
He said the Messiah, who's been prophesied about for 700 years, has just been born. Where is he? This town called Bethlehem. Y'all, Bethlehem, was in this day, it was a very small town. Maybe just about around 100 to 200 people lived there. A tiny, tiny town. And they're thinking, the Messiah has been born where? Swansea? No. He, he, was he, you think, he's Buckingham Palace? Nope. Where was he born? He's born in Bethlehem. Now, if I hear that news, I'm, think, I'm a little skeptical. Think, well, you know what, you, you guys going ahead. I'm going to stay back here with the sheep, kind of keep watch over them. Because they, the other thing they said is this baby, he was born, he's like in a barn. The Messiah, the, the Savior of the world, he's laying down right now in a feed trough. Strange, strange information here. But it was news that came from God. And regardless of what that news might be, you respond to it. God has a message for you today. He sent his son Jesus for you. And he wants you to respond. How do we respond? It starts off, with, I think it starts off with being honest. Being honest with who you are. I mean, y'all are good people. But, but underneath it all, let me tell you who you are and who I am. Sinner. I am broken and I am damaged. And I and you need a Savior. And an angel came and said, Today, a Messiah has been born for you. You need to respond to that. Respond in honesty. Respond in a way where you say, Lord, whatever it is that you call me to do, Lord, I will follow you and live for you and serve you. I, I really believe most people, at least right now, I believe most people have deep within them a knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And yet too many times we don't want to listen to that and we want to rationalize and make excuses as to why we are doing what we're doing. You know, I've been screwed over so I can act this way. No, you can't. Yeah, and you, you have a Savior who's come for you in order to bring you freedom. And I look, I look at the shepherds. They listened. And then they responded. And then I see the final lesson they teach us here. And after they did those two things, they celebrated. They celebrated Christmas. Verse number 20. So they go to see Jesus. He's wrapped up tightly in, in swaddling clothes. He's lying in a manger and says, and then the shepherds returned. Where did they return to? Work. They went back to work. What were they doing? They were glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. You know, Christmas is an enjoyable, it, for the most part, it's an enjoyable time. But it is so much more fun with children, I think. I mean, I think it's so much more fun. Now, if you have kids, you know, Chris, I, mean, you, I love being able to see the, uh, the kids. You know, they come home for Christmas. It's fun to see them. But when they were little, it, it was fun. Yeah, I remember you know, Christmas morning would come, and our kids, they'd come into the room. And it was, just, it was, so, you know, it was, it was cute to me anyway. And they'd come, and they'd go, I think last night, I think we heard the reindeer walking on the roof. You know, and it was, it was so fun. I mean, you just sit there, and you would, you know, it, was, it was fun. It, now, the older they get, it's not as fun. You know, that might, if they did that now, that'd be weird. 
You know, like my, my son's 23. Hey, Dad, I think I heard reindeer. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is awful. Now, now what we do is we get together, we eat, watch football. You know, that's fun, I guess. You know, watch that. Um, you know, you, uh, you just open gifts, and then everybody gets in their car, and they leave. You know, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's busy. And I think what happens through all of that is that, that we miss out on the wonder of what Christmas is. And that's why I, I like the shepherds here. Because I look at the shepherds, and, and, and what do we see that they do? It says, well, they went back to work, and they were glorifying and praising God. The word glorifying, they, they were celebrating. Uh, they were glorifying God. They were honoring what God had done. What, what had God done? He had finally fulfilled his promise of a Messiah. God is a promise keeper. He makes a promise. He keeps his word. And the shepherds rejoiced in the simple keeping of a promise that Jesus has come. The greatest gift ever given on Christmas is Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you take time to think that, to think about that, that is big news. It's huge. It's life-altering. It's eternity-altering news. And these men heard this message, and they celebrated. Now, notice what they didn't do. They didn't run back and say, we've got to hurry up. Family's coming over. We've got to make sure we've got enough, you know, turkey for everybody. Uh, they, they, after this event happened, you know, one of them, one of, the, one of the shepherds did not write a book, My First Encounter with an Angel. You know, the Bethlehem, come and visit. There's, I mean, there's none of that stuff. They just very simply, they went back to work, and they celebrated Jesus. There's a pastor named Stephen Cole, and, and he wrote this. I, thought, I, I just liked what it said. He said, 30 years were to pass before this child of Bethlehem ever began to preach. By then, the younger shepherds from that night, they were now in their middle ages. Why didn't God move faster? Why didn't he use these men to get some action going for Jesus while he's still a boy? You know, you've got to strike while the iron's hot. We American Christians oftentimes buy into a version of Christianity that's not much like the simple Christianity of the Bible. We seem to have a need for the spectacular and big. People flock to miracle services. They listen to some guy's supposed trip to heaven and hell. They idolize famous people who happen to be Christians. They feed on the latest seminars and popular cultural fads. But maybe we ought to just get back to the simplicity of steadfast Christian living, centered on the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And I like this part. He said, maybe we need to see that God is the God of the normal, not just the spectacular. Our God, he came, he came for the elite. He came for the poor. But he came for the ordinary. He came for me. He came for you. Now, now what, are the, what are the shepherds, what, what do they teach us? What are some lessons we can learn from them? Listen, respond, and then celebrate. That's so why I want to encourage you this week, I want to encourage you this week to do those things. You know, as you were busy and you're buying gifts, you have family coming in, getting the house ready, that, there's nothing wrong with those things. But make sure you take time to listen. Read, read the Christmas story. 
Just take time to go through it and think about it, what it means. It means God put on flesh, and he came here to communicate face-to-face with people to say, you have hope. And then he went to a cross, and he allowed his human body to die, and then three days later, he got up to communicate to us that those who believe in him have hope beyond this life. That is worth celebrating. That is worth contemplating. And I'd encourage some of you today to contemplate that. And when we pray, that you just offer up a prayer to God and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Just the simplicity of it all. Jesus, thank you. For others, it could be that you need to pray to him and say, Jesus, save me. You came for me, and I am believing in you today. Rescue me, because I'm broken, and I need hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am, I am thankful for your word. I am thankful for the shepherds. I, I just think it's one of the neatest things to think that the first group of people you told about the birth of a Messiah was a group of ordinary men who were out in the field working. And Lord, when you approach them, you change their lives forever. God, I pray that today there will be lives changed forever as some right now are simply saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Christmas. And others are talking to you and saying, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I pray these things in Christ's name.